This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, ha- send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, so that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hello, and welcome back to the Digital Broker Podcast. I'm Steve Anderson, along here with my co-host, Ryan Deeds. Uh, Ryan, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Steve. Doing very good. well. Glad to be with you, bro. Yep. Always good to uh, to talk. Uh, we've had actually an opportunity to uh, be in the same place for a couple of meetings over the last few weeks, so that's always fun. Um, and uh, thank you to Indio Technologies for sponsoring our uh, podcast here. Uh, you can uh, reach out to them and uh, get more information about what they offer in terms of uh, streamlining the application process by going to uh, www.useindio, that's I-N-D-I-O.com, and uh, there's a button there you can get a demo and recommend it and thank them for uh, continuing to um, work with us on this podcast. So with that said, let's, uh, let's jump into the topic. We were just talking a little bit about um, remote workers and kind of what's going on today with that. I, I uh, talk to a lot of agency owners who are um, resistant to having people work remotely and that you know we often say from home that may or may not be the case it could be a remote site someplace else Uh, and so i think it's a great topic because there's a lot going on that's affecting what i believe is the necessity of virtually every agency to consider this as an option Absolutely. Um, and, and some of those are just the fact that it's really hard to find employees yeah, heck yeah. And I mean, I think that when you look at perks, one of the things that now people are looking for is flexibility, right? And they really, really want to have options. I've seen us lose before agencies that I've worked with didn't offer remote. I've seen them lose employees to organizations that did offer remote. And I think especially now with such a competitive marketplace, there's not an agency out there today that's listening to this that has the HR thing knocked out of the park that's bringing on candidates left and right because it is a tight market and we got to do everything we can to, to entice folks into the industry. Yeah, in fact, we were just talking before we started recording. Uh, tell that statistic again about current unemployment. That's like 3.6% by the Labor Bureau, and that's a, uh, as of October 1. I mean, it's so low. Yeah, and I was actually listening to a uh, NPR podcast called Planet Money, and uh, they were talking about this in one of their recent shows, and it's basically full employment. 
you know, when it gets that low, it's, you know, people who are looking or want a job have one. So trying to find somebody who's looking for a job, you're poaching from somebody else, you're trying to bring in new, and we've talked a little bit uh, on prior uh, shows about bringing in new people who aren't, aren't trained. Uh, I'll, I'll point out, if you didn't have a chance to listen to it, our uh, episode 21 talked to uh, Justin Goodman about their training program for people who have no insurance background, getting them up to speed. Those are all tools that are available to agents and brokers to help with them and offering remote as a option is is simply another tool and again you said it a lot of people are looking at that as uh, something that they want and they can get elsewhere well and so i think it's set the expectation so differently now and i and i i get what you get too right i get frustration from principals sometimes because they're like, why don't they just come in and go to the desk like we used to? And they're there from eight to five and they work Monday through Friday. And that's how they should be. Unfortunately, a lot of other progressive companies and, and industries have, cha- have adapted to, to the, 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 the new generation that are coming into the workforce that don't want that. That are willing to work their butts off for four or five hours, nose to the grindstone. And then maybe they want to be done for the day, you know, and, and, and maybe they're as productive as somebody's normal eight hour would be. And so they also want to be able to wake up, grab a cup of coffee, go to their computer, get their job knocked out, and then go do whatever they want to do. And I think that our organizations have to learn how to be more flexible with that. Yeah, and I think there's a, a, a real benefit to that in one simple way is just if you got some people who like getting up early, maybe to miss traffic, maybe just because they're early birds. I'm, I tend to get up early. I'd rather get in, but then I can, you know, leave early. Uh, and there are other people who like working late, like yeah. to sleep in, like to have a, you know, lazy morning, come in and work late. For the organization, now my hours of being open maybe can be from six to eight not just nine to five and again as our customers are changing they want and need different access to us for uh, all the things that uh, we do for our our customers right now well i think it's interesting because you see municipalities actually trying to entice companies to offer remote work by providing tax credits or tax breaks to corporations that have a percentage of their employees working remotely Nashville has a program that if you if you have a certain section of your employees that are working remotely, you can get some kind of tax credit back because you're reducing the traffic on the infrastructure. On the infrastructure. Right. And so, I mean, now you have a multi-tiered reason to kind of look at that and leverage it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's resistance, though. Right. Why? Uh, a lot of agency owners are, are nervous. What, what have you seen as some of the points or the reasons or the questions that they have the main one that i think is is the the most prevalent is if i can't see them they're not working you know if they're not at their desk they're obviously not being product productive and i think it smacks of uh of a lack of operational excellence when that's the case because that ties back to our whole rote work mentality uh, you're you're clicking the keyboard and that's that's productivity right it's right it is not defined goals to for a person to attain. You're judging them based on, oh, they're here between eight and five. They're absolutely valuable, right? I mean, and that's that I think is the the stanchion. And then I think the other issues are 
it's it's a it's a painful process to try to get to figure out how you're going to do a remote and it takes a lot of iteration through that because it's not just okay tomorrow you can be remote i mean you got to figure out what's fair or how, how do you monitor that what's productivity look like how are you going to track that how do you have good feelings about it and so i think it's a combination of those things that create kind of an influx where people are like yeah it's too much we don't want to deal with it yeah, and I, I often describe that as management by butts in the seat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just that idea that visibility gives me a better feeling. Uh, you know, so I think that's where management, you know, owners, the management team, whatever that looks like in your organization, really needs to start thinking about, is that really true? And could people be more productive not being in the office? And I continue to read, you know, studies and kind of, uh, I guess scuttlebutt around this idea that for the right person, and, and I want to talk about that in just a minute, but for the right person, often they're a lot more productive when they're not in the office and being interrupted with the questions and, you know, having that time to, to schmooze. But I've I'm, also heard, uh, let me, let me get the other side of that. I've also heard that there can be some real problems in terms of not feeling connected to the culture in the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something about that kind of walk by running into people conversation that does lead to potentially can lead to more creativity, more ideas, more, you know, interaction. So I think there's some validity on both of those sides. I have a hard time with the, the lack of production because Generally, what I've seen when a remote worker goes home, they're so happy and they're so nervous that somebody's going to think that they're messing around, that they are more responsive than they were when they're at the house. I mean, you know, right. we, we had a very advanced remote program at Crichton, and it, but it was, a, it was a process that we had to go through to get there. And the other thing, though, I think is more valid. I, I think that if you don't have a way to extend culture past your walls, you may lose out if you have a large contingent of your uh, workforce remote. Mm -hmm. how, how, do you, how do you hold that together? And so again, that's where technology can kind of help with that if you have a Microsoft Teams or a Slack or, or something like that to, to help have that culture in one place. Right. Well, and we were uh, both at just a meeting earlier this week as we're recording this uh, at uh, Holmes Murphy Insurance in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. They had just finished building a brand new building in uh, January of, uh, of 2018 this year. And uh, we were, I was, I think you were too, but pretty impressed with their meeting technology. Uh, in the room we were in, there was uh, whiteboards every, I mean, every wall you could write on projectors and TVs and also a camera in the back of the room and with a device that the presenter could wear and the camera would actually track with the presenter if they were moving around uh, the room, the meeting room. And so all of that to say, I think video can be a huge part of helping with that culture. Oh yeah. And I'm becoming more and more an advocate and more and more of a stickler for using video conferencing, not just phone conferencing. Absolutely. Um, because a couple things. One is, you know what, if your camera's on, you're still going to try and get your email done, but it's going to be a little bit harder to, you know, not pay attention. Uh, when you're in a meeting or you're interacting with people. And there is something about seeing, even if it's 
video about seeing somebody. Um, and in fact, honestly, Ryan, you and I tried to do some of these remotely just with a phone and we're using video conferencing right now. So we're looking at each other and we're not in the same place and it helps, right? It helps engagement. It helps reading body language. It helps, you know, you're shaking your head saying, Steve, you're an idiot, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, but those are some of the potential tools that as you're looking at putting something like this together, you need to think about as ways to keep that engagement going. Yeah, I mean, at, at Crichton, we were we were adverse to remote until we brought in Slack. And once we brought in Slack and we got the paid team to do the video, just like Teams does, then in screen sharing instantly, everything kind of changed because we could have – because you do lose cohesion if you're remote. And as you're training new employees – if you have one person that's remote and another person that's there, man, and you're not talking to somebody through the phone, but if you had a tool that instantly you could connect with that person, be on video and share a screen all the time, employees would be like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. It was just like we were there. And I think you're right. I think the body language is such a good communication indicator for humans mm -hmm. that it, it helps us to understand where we stand when we can see that back and forth. Um, and so I think I, I'm in total agreement with you. I, I like to think of it as a, an, a, I would rather have less communication that's more relevant than more touch points th that's less connecting, right? Okay. Uh -huh. Instead of 50 emails and 14 phone calls, could we have three video conferences and accomplish the same thing? Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Quick, because we can see each other. Or like you and I just did as we were talking about, okay, what do we want to do on this show? Uh, shared a screen, put down some points. Yeah, we were collaborating in a very good environment, um, regardless of where we're physically located. Well, and the reality is this. I mean, your, your consumers are going to demand video pretty soon. So you're going to have to figure this out. Because, I mean, what you really want is how awesome would it be if you could get your super passionate account manager who loves to take care of your clients on video? Well, you're going to do that internally with your own staff before you probably have that externalized. And that's how you kind of cut your teeth on it. Yeah, and that's well, well. That could be a whole other show, but yeah, it, but it, it also really it also helps your staff get over the biggest problem with video conferencing, which is being on the camera. Right. Because they just start getting used to it, right? So you 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 train, you test, you get comfortable internally, and then you externalize that to yep. your clients and prospects, and you do video renewal proposals. You do video, you know, for smaller accounts that you aren't going to go out and see now you can have that personal face-to-face -face, um face-to-face -face connection mm -hmm. so so talk a little bit if you would it, at Crichton so you had some resistance and at first what what was the process or kind of the uh, how was that changed in order to put in a, a more what's the right word uh even an, when, I, when I first got there I mean remote was a no-no yeah, it was, uh, and it I was, think I think most organizations certainly listening to this, are, that's going to be the primary. Most of the time, it's a no-no. Yeah, we, we don't do that. And right. the main the main fears that they had were, how do we know if they're working? Right? Mm -hmm. how, uh, do we we don't have metrics? We don't have an understanding of what they're doing, and then we're really afraid of losing the cohesion. Mm -hmm. um, and so for, for the first two or three years, we, we didn't have, we had remote on very, very specific use cases. So if we had an employee that moved from uh, Nashville to Atlanta and they were a really great employee, we wanted to offer that them option. Okay, there you go. 
but it was not an internal program that we created mm -hmm. uh, at that time. It wasn't until we had the good analytics, we had the good data, we could, everybody could understand what was expected and what success looked like. And so we could see deviations of the baseline, right? Right. And then having a tool that allowed the managers to keep culture and the people to keep culture, not just inside the four walls, but every organization today has a lot of producers that are on the road all the time mm -hmm. or out all the time. And there is always kind of a class warfare between uh, staff and producers, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is one of those things that can help remedy that, you know, and it was funny because a lot of the producers didn't like it when the account managers were remote because the account man, the, the producer would love to run over there and drop something on the account manager's right. desk. Yeah. And now they had to go through a process. So when you think about productivity, that account manager's productivity automatically increased because they weren't getting hit by this three or four things a day by a producer dropping on their desk. They had dropping to go through a process. Right. That's doing, right. Doing a drop by. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Right. So it you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but it enforces a process procedure. Um, so everybody's more productive. Right. Um, and I think too, I'm going to interject this. So I just thought about it is that, you know, our cell phones or our tablets now have full capability for video. You know, yeah. even the latest uh, update to the uh, iPhone uh, software operating system now allows FaceTime with multiple people, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have a, a group, and I can't remember now what the number is. But, you know, again, we're, it, the technology is getting there, yes, and people are starting to experience it, so they're starting to expect it more to be able to interact, you know, this way. That's what I think. I mean, I think that the expectation – is, and it's one of those things that's going to be kind of a slow growth and then it's just going to be the way things are done. Yep. And if you're not uh, looking at that, you're going to be sitting there and like, oh my gosh, we got so much catching up to do. And so I think that, but I think it's important to have the discussion about remote to at least identify why aren't we doing it today? Do we not see a need for it today? What's keeping us back from that? It's going to become important to you at some point when you have yes. a hard time getting uh, employees to, to stay or to attract them. At that point, you're going to say, yeah, now we need to do the remote thing. Yeah. And so it's good to explore the reasons why. And you may have some valid reasons. You may not be ready for it. We weren't ready for it in 2013. We were ready for it in 2015, you know, and so. And so what changed? And, and I guess what changed is one question. And the other question is those fears. How were those addressed? All right. So the first thing is we, we had data, right? And 20, okay. by 2015, everybody kind of had uh, um, their analytics set up where they knew what productivity looked like. And most people had very defined goals. Mm -hmm. You got to grow the book by 8%. We need to see this kind of um, uh, work being done. You know, this is what the expectation is. And it wasn't anything fancy. We would just kind of take a baseline of, of that role and then say, this is what we think that the baseline should be. And then if we would see a deviation, either negative or positive, we would inquire about that and figure out what that was. And so that was the first fear. We don't know what's going on with our employees when they're at home, they're not working, they're mm -hmm. chilling out doing laundry, right? right. There's a second problem that we didn't really talk about, which is an HR issue, right? Is, mm -hmm. is the house safe? Is the workspace, do they have the right equipment in place? Right. Do they have the tools that they're needed? Are we putting our people at risk? Is it ergonomic? Um, and, I, and I've seen, you know, certain employees, they, they, they will try to take advantage of things that set them back. And, and we've got to take that, um, like, for instance, cell phones. 
we would sometimes get an employee that says, oh, you need to pay me for my cell phone utilization because I'm a remote worker and I'm getting calls on my cell phone. Mm. And that automatically puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth that was trying to fight for the remote yeah. work. Right. Um, the, the, and then that we brought in Slack and Slack was the last remover of fear. Once we had Slack in for about a year, we went to a paid team and when we did that, we got the ability to do video and people just started testing that out inside the, and the whole time, right? The, the consensus of the employees is we want remote, we want remote, we want remote. This was not like a one time, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to have. This was a rabid, hey, we want this ability. And I think in most organizations that's there. They leadership may not hear it because maybe they've heard it for so long. It just becomes mm -hmm. a noise, but I doubt very seriously that there's one perk that you could provide that would give as much upside to the employee as the offering the remote work in the right way. Okay. So I want to, I want to clarify something you said, you've said it a couple of times now, just to make sure people understand. You said you went to teams. What does that mean? Well, Slack, Slack teams, that, yeah, we, Slack. we went to a paid Slack. So okay. Slack has two models, free and paid. If you're on free, you don't get video and, and um, screen sharing. If you're on paid, you get video and screen sharing. Got it. Okay. So, I just want to be clear about yeah. that. Yeah. Because uh, the other thing that ran through people's mind might be Microsoft Teams that you moved to another platform. So, and, I, and, they, and they, I mean, and really, they, I think you can, at this level, when we're talking about this functionality, they're very interchangeable because mm -hmm. Teams natively comes with Skype, so you have video on it, you know, and you have right. your screen sharing on it. And so I, I think that if you have a tool that allows you to collaborate effectively together, that's going to remove that fear. But those <laughs> are those, you know, the fear of, of, I don't know what they're doing. How are we going to, for, how do you decide who goes remote? I mean, that is an, a right. very tough decision because you don't want so to how do you favorite. how did you decide? <laughs> well, you know, I it's mean, it's an HR issue, right? That's at, right. At, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm pretty convinced not everybody is capable of working alone. So, there are so a lot of people that like working in an environment. So how did you navigate some of those? So HR was always was had been an advocate of remote um, ever since Carrie Elsie was our HR person there is our, is the HR person there and she's awesome and she would go to war with the owners I mean she was a she's an advocate for those uh, employees mm -hmm. um, and so what we ended up doing was we sent a survey out saying if hypothetically we were going to offer a remote program would you be interested in that on a one day a week basis. Mm, okay. um, and so from that, we got an indication of the different roles in the organization that wanted to go. And initially we opened it up to a very s select role, which was the account manager. The account manager could go remote one day a week um, to test it out. And then as they went remote, they, they couldn't have been on like a pro performance improvement program. They couldn't have any uh, disciplinary action within six months. They had to have been there for six months and they had to be a good fit. So there were certain criteria that we had written out mm -hmm. because we didn't want to, because when we opened the program, we wanted to open it to everybody in that band, right? Where we could right. say, if you're an account manager and if you want it, and if you hit these criteria, you qualify for a remote. Well, once we did that, the next problem was 
how do we facilitate remote? Right. I was going to say, I was just going to ask that question. How do you manage that or who's gone what day or right? All of those issues. Well, I mean, there's, there's that logistical issue in the team. And then there's also the technological issue. Are you sending them home to get on their own computer to right. remote into your infrastructure? Are yep. they, I mean, how are you handling all that? And so, um, and there's a multitude of solutions. The way that we did it is ultimately we told them, go get your own equipment if you have your own equipment and you have your own setup, take a picture of it, send it to us. Cause you had to have two dual monitors with us. Uh -huh. Okay. So, and sometimes we would supplement the monitors if they need, we had a bunch of stuff laying around that was old and we had just done a hardware refresh. So we gave away about 30 kits. It was okay. first come first serve basis. Uh, mm -hmm. We'd give them away. We white box it, just put a VPN connection on it and, or a uh, remote desktop connection. And then they would remote into their own computer at their office. So we were lucky because we were one location and we mm -hmm. were not hoteling. So if Mike would go home, when Mike got into the system that he had procured either through us or through his own money, he would then remote into a workstation, his own workstation. So his continuity was totally perfect and it really worked well. So he was working his station there. So no data was moving back and forth that you had to worry about. And you weren't like going to a terminal server that was different than his desktop, right? right. I mean, it was. It looked exactly the same. His experience was exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And that was a key thing. I mean, we had done terminal servers and some other stuff before. The problem with that in a large organization is it wouldn't work because you'd be having all this duplicate hardware. But you have uh, multiple solutions like VDI on VMware that solves that, which is where a lot of modern organizations have gone to, you know, they're mm -hmm. logging into these like virtual desktops mm -hmm. um, and that solves that problem. And so, but that was how we navigated that. We said, here's 30 workstations, first come first serve, take them home, set them up, give us the picture, remote in. And then pretty much if, you know, you were on Slack and you were on email, man, you'd, you'd get back to folks real quick and then use the status in Slack Hey, I'm at lunch right now, or hey, I'm doing this for 10 minutes. But what I found was if the person was remote and you'd hit them up, they would be back to you. They would be, yeah, they would be, they're responsive. They're not in the um, break room. They're not right. in the break room for 15 right. minutes. Yeah, exactly. They're probably right there or close. That's right. Um, so any other standards for ho uh, a home office? Like, I mean, I've, I've talked about making sure there's a door. Uh, are the kids coming home from school? What happens then? Oh, I know my, the question I was going to ask you was about telephones. Yeah. So did you have a phone system that supported, um, you know, an IP, a voice over IP system? We did. So when we okay. gave, when we gave our users kits, we would always give them a VoIP phone to take with them. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. they would plug that in and actually they could take it off their desk and plug it in and that would work. You know? Okay. And so initially we didn't do that. We just forwarded, they would forward the calls to their cell phone. Mm -hmm. And that and that was really the way that we did it for a long time, and then recently they've started doing the the phone system. The phones, yeah, the phone yeah. at the remote office location. Right. And we have a we, and, have, but no, you have a great point. I mean, what about printing? Do you print? Mm -hmm. You know, if you right. have a bunch of HIPAA information, do you print that stuff out at your house? And so that was a no no. You didn't print stuff out at the house. You printed it at the office, and somebody else would get it. You know. Did you? I just say you had a policy then oh, yeah. that spelled out that they had to sign, and yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm always yeah. so afraid of favoritism or the perception of favoritism in an organization or not being transparent and fair. And so, mm -hmm. and Carrie and I, Carrie, Carrie was instrumental. I mean, I helped with the technology side, 
but she she was the person that was really driving that and so she had a very good policy that we'd taken from a couple different agencies and then hybridized it, made it our own. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we tested it out, we found what worked and what didn't. Like I said, we started small with the account managers and expanded it out. And in some cases I felt it wasn't fair because like how does the front desk lady ever get to go remote? Right. right? Mm -hmm. If she's at the front desk and she's answering the phone there and she is greeting people who come in. And so in some cases, the nature of the position would not lend itself to remote work. Right. And I think if you're clear in that, uh, right. uh, you know, I think that's because I, so I was sort of going there who, so you, receptionist, any other type of position that just doesn't lend itself? It was rare. I mean, everybody else like accounting was able to go, account manager yeah. were able to go. And that was, it was funny. I mean, a lot, some people went for like a, a couple of times and they're like, yeah, this isn't for me. I mean, I had some good friends that were like, work is my social outlet you know that's right. how i am if i don't get out of my house to go to work i'd never leave my house <laughs> right you no know? right I'm like a paranoid hermit you know it's no well, good. and and frankly hence why in your new position that's right you are going to be in a co-working space Absolutely. Um, so you have some place to go and uh, for myself personally i you know have my own business i do my own thing but i do not have an office at my home i have a separate office uh, that I go to. So, you know, for me, it's always been about uh, that helps me do, be separate, right? right? And um, uh, helps me just in a, in a mindset area, separate home life and work life. Doesn't mean I don't work when I'm home. Doesn't mean I don't take time off when I'm in the office, but um, it's just, it, it, uh, for me, it's always been a good thing. Yeah. It helps me not go crazy. I mean, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a buddy that went remote and uh, he listens to this sometimes, so I won't say his name, but he went remote and like he called me and he said, hey, you know, I, I think I have this weird disease and like he was way off the rocker and, I, and so it really freaked me out because <laughs> as I was thinking about where I wanted to work, if I was going to work at my house, I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Kind I'm of not going to do that. that. Right. Yeah. Well, and frankly, and we can talk about the once you kind of get in and get settled, I, I would like to talk about the co-working because that... Sure frankly, could be a, another option uh, for an organization that wants to test the waters in a new city or area or location or, you know, and, and get, try it for six months, put a couple people there, two or three. Uh, I mean, I think that the options available to organizations today are, are just wider than they've ever have been. Well, I think when you start peeling back the onion on remote work, there become, I mean, when you look at the largest expenses that most organizations have, headcount is first, and then, you know, you, your property is second, right? Mm -hmm. Your overhead right. on property. Your, your rental, office space, you know, et cetera. Right. right. And so if you can reduce that, can you now reallocate the revenue to something that moves your business forward? If we can get away from the mindset that we have to be in the same space to be effective. And right. I think we're still a long way away from that. Mm -hmm. But I think that the modern tools that are out there are making that. It's just interesting. As the principles out there, that's the challenge to you is think about the negatives that you pick up from remote work. And then also think about the positives and just list those out. I mean, because as the market, as the, if the employment market continues like it is, you're going to have to figure it out. Right. And, and I don't know what you lose if you can figure the productivity metrics out and make sure that that's clear. Because once the employees, I tell you what, if you say, hey, employee, you've got to reach 5,000 miles per hour to go remote, they're going to go 5,050 miles per hour. They will mm -hmm. get there. They will do whatever they need to because that remote work, man, that thing was an awesome carrot. 
Well, I think one of the real takeaways that I want to emphasize, and you said it when we first started talking, was, I, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, you spent a couple years getting the data That's right. in place so that you could actually have metrics around productivity. That's right. Right? And that could be part of your management system. It could be, you know, other stuff. But that created the foundation then that management got comfortable that we could find out productivity and what people are doing and it's kind of a joke because like today right if you walk around and you don't have good metrics and you look at bob who's sitting there and bob's been there for three years and he comes in every day from eight to five you have an assumption maybe that bob's productive right but when's the last if you don't have metrics how do you know you know right. i mean exactly. yeah. <laughs> and, and, but now if i send bob home and i don't know now i'm scared so you know how much of it is valid fear and how much of it is irrational fear and just what are we used to no i think there's no question about that and it is a new area and it is an area as we've said that every organization is going to have to explore simply to retain um, find and retain uh, the people that they're going to need to properly service the, uh, the client base that they have. So yeah. there was nothing more impactful for them. I mean, that, I, that, that is the biggest thing. Like I literally had account managers come up to me and just say, Oh my thank. Because I mean, while I wasn't, I, I would say that Carrie was absolutely the primary architect. I was the person that helped remove excuses to management on why we couldn't. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. The data strategy that we put in place, Slack, bringing Slack in place, making sure that we had effective workflows, stuff like that. That was, I was instrumental to putting that stuff in place. And so I, but the employees would come up and just say, thank you so much. You know, we're trying to get, because ultimately we moved to two days a week and then the employees were pushing for three. And so I, I don't right. know where that will go with Crichton. Right. But the two day a weekers, man, it was, they loved they it. Loved they loved it. Sure. They did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great incentive, great perk, you know, all of those kinds of things. Retention. To, Your employee retention, retention goes up. Because I mean, if another company comes in, say that you do offer three days a week and another company comes in and offers $10,000 more. The statistics show today that time is more important than money to, the, to this generation that's coming out. Mm -hmm. and they might not leave. I might not leave. Right. That's the right. money. The money doesn't outweigh the additional hassle for that's right. for getting that money. Yeah, I yeah. think that's very, very true. So, any last tips or words that, that you can think of that uh, might help? I mean, I, I would think that the tactical takeaway today for leaders that are listening to this is the list out why you wouldn't do it, and then start attacking that because you're going to have to do it. Well, Ryan, great. Uh, thanks for all your insight. I hope uh, those of you out there listening will uh, really consider if you're not doing remote, if you haven't thought about it, if you said no in the past, we encourage you to rethink that position. And as Ryan said, you know, start attacking the reasons that you don't want to do it and make sure they're still valid today. That'll help your organization as you, as you move in this new world of Complete unemployment. I don't know what, you yeah. know, fully employment. It's, it is a new world for us right now. So. Right. And I mean, I think if you're an account manager and you're listening to this, send this to your principal, it'll help yeah. them out. <laughs> help, hopefully help you out too. Maybe get, right. get them along. Well, great as always, Ryan, talking with you, uh, everybody listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, being part of this. We uh, encourage you to uh, go and uh, wherever you have uh, accessed this, uh, leave a rating and review if it's on Android or uh, Apple platform podcast platforms that really helps uh, other people to discover it and uh, let us know uh, if you've got any uh, questions or about any of this or any uh, suggestions or insight we'd love to hear uh, from you 
thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Send us your questions and comments. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio Software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. To learn why over a thousand agents use Indio, go to www.useindio.com/podcast.